G'day everyone, I'm Mitch Stocker and welcome to Life in the Peloton, my podcast. As you probably know, my time in the Peloton has ended. My final race was Paris-Roubaix and in this episode, I'm going to get you to come along with me on the road for my final trip. We're speaking to other pros in this episode, Bert DeBacker, Luke Durbridge, Matt Heyman, Sebastian Langeveld, Stefan Bissinger, Tom Scully, Michael Valgren, Sam Bewley and Jack Bauer. So guys, sit back and enjoy my last road trip as a pro. Yeah, it's bloody rough, isn't it? You go away and do a lot of other races, but then when you come back to Roubaix, every time you enter into the your first sector of cobbles, you just get this reminder of how bloody rough these cobblestones are. And until you're actually there doing it, like you can watch as much stuff on TV as you want, but you just don't get any kind of feeling. It's one of those things, it's a love-hate relationship with situations like yesterday, you you're when you're a part of the race it's one of the most beautiful races but when you on the other side of the race and it's uh can be the most (laughs) horrible so uh i think that's why it's um so special damn i got some respect for you guys that's done it so many times and like it's it's brutal it's honestly brutal it's a really long day and then also the cobbles make it even harder and all these bumps and stuff like you're you're really uh going at the limit of your body as well and I think that's what it makes so so special. That's also why it's called the Hell of North. But it has something special, eh? I mean the cobbles, the history, uh, when I was young my period was like Museo, Van Pietigum, those guys, it's uh, yeah, for me it's just a special, special mm. race and I think one of my top results was also in Roubaix, I came in the velodrome sprinting for the victory with Van Avermaet and Stibar. Yeah, that, that's something you will, I mean, take that with you for, for the rest of your life, so. Well, as you can hear, I'm in the car and I'm on my way to the airport for my last trip as a pro. It's sort of weird. I've been doing a bit of the last things the last weeks Um, you know the last training ride the last five hour loop the last coast ride oh I want to go to that coffee shop the last time so it is dawning on me and I sort of got excited the other day about the same old stuff I was thinking wow normally it's it's a bit of a drag going to the airport and jumping on a plane and then flying to somewhere and I was like wow actually you know what this is sort of cool you know, it's the last time I get to do it. And I'm going to Roubaix. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen yet. That's the question too. You know, as you know, I broke my elbow three weeks ago at the Benelux Tour. And I've been recovering from that. Two weeks on the indoor trainer, last week outside. And every day I think, nah, I can't do it. I, I just can't, I can't get out of the seat properly and then the next day I can and then I can't do something else and I hit a bump and it hurts and I think, I don't know if I can do Roubaix but every day it's getting better and every day gives me hope and now I'm on my way, I'm on the road it's Monday, on Wednesday I'm racing the Euro Metropole Tour which is a one day race and that's going to be the test that's going to be the test to see if I can follow the bunch firstly if my arm is, you know, up to up to that, sprinting out of corners, breaking, all that stuff, then can it handle the rough, the cobbles? 
the team hasn't officially given me the green light yet, so that's going to be a test for myself, but also for the team to see that I'm fit enough to do it. And um, yeah, I guess you're just going to hear my emotions and my thoughts along this week. So first things first, let's get to the airport. This is Bert DeBacker. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mitch. Almost getting emotional. I think I'm, I'm, I am actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, even more so because we are both coming to the end of our careers, 13 years, 13 and a half for you. And we're both finishing with a race that we both love, love and hate. And we are at this moment sitting in the same room a day before a race. And actually our amazing relationship in a friendship way <laughs> let's clear that up yeah uh started in mallorca also as broomies it did too 13 years ago and a half yeah no. <laughs> 30 sorry. you did half a year before yeah. me yeah. yeah that's what i was trying to get at so we're on the eve of roubaix um and what i want to do because bert has had a lot more successes at race than i have but the love is still equal let's talk about the actual race What's your first memory of Paris-Roubaix? I think for me it's uh, the picture of the Mappé guys. Also Museo pointing out the knee. And one. Yes. And uh, with Tom Bonner on the podium. Those are the, the freshest memories. You mean when he was the Maria in yeah. Postal? 2002, yeah. yeah. Why do you love this race? Yeah, first of all, in the start of my career, I... I I always said uh, Tour of Flanders is my uh, favorite race. And actually, it's more because I'm a Flemish guy. I, I had the feeling I had to say it. But Roubaix became really the favorite when I realized I could come that close to the world top level riders, mm. which I didn't do in any other race. That's true, because it is difficult. And when you can actually be a part of the race and not just following and not just doing a job, actually feel a player in the race. Yeah. and feel comfortable on the harder sectors when the biggest guys are giving their best. For me, I for a very long time, I had the feeling I became a pro and I was a bit of a bit lucky to be in in the bunch. Uh, in 2014, when I had to, or I took the opportunity to be with Bolden in, in the long uh, or the early break, halfway the race, second half of the race, let's say the early final break and go to the, in the final with John, that's the first time I realized I was more than just lucky to be in the bunch. And I had the confidence, I had the right to be there. You deserved your place, you earned it. Yeah. What's the toughest part of the race for you? The first 50K of cobbles. Up until Arenberg. Yeah, because then it's also changing, of course, because uh, in the earlier years, positioning was one of my strengths. And now it's everything except of that. And I don't have those guts anymore to take all the risks to be in front of the first sectors. Because actually on the cobbles, without being arrogant, I'm with the 30 or 20 best riders on the cobbles. So that costs me the, the less energy, but you have to get there. Mm. And too many fresh guys who are willing to take the risks, I can't... Um, beat those guys in the first uh, 50k of cobbles i think yeah we need the cobbles to wear them out yeah it's like now let the big now let the big boys play <laughs> <laughs> in a way tell me about your best day 
at Paris Roubaix. That's 2014. Picture it a bit. Uh, second feed zone, 180k I think, or, or close to 200. Big road on the bridge. Yep, on the bridge. That's where I left, and there were a group of 10 guys, maybe all guys. Which where I, w- I was thinking about those guys. Pooh, they really made it. They're really yeah, challenging, tanking. Those were for me decent pro cyclists. And then suddenly Tom Bonen uh, came to our group, and I was so surprised first or third, second sector we did with that group that guys were dropping and I was like how is it possible to become or, or to play the tactical game already <laughs> and it's still 50k to go we just have to write and not play around and uh, leaving gaps for joking or uh, just to play the game and then I really it's maybe can sound arrogant but I was so easy in closing the gaps to to be in the front of our group and then realizing they didn't come uh, back after the sectors. Oh, so they're, they're really playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a big gap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Courage. <laughs> no, but that was, you, you really have to picture it as a, a small young guy who is suddenly with the big idol. I was even enjoying all fans cheering out for Tom Bond when I was on the first line. And uh, so that was the, the, the most nice experience. What makes this race so special it is special yeah. and for for many reasons i've got a lot of reasons why it's special for me not necessarily all good but it just it's up there there's something about this race what makes it so special yeah for me it's it's the fact that i could be that competitive makes it for me very special and the the mythical thing of it is for me harder to understand because riding on the cobbles was I guess more easy to me, which is probably similar to you, than for other guys. But it's yeah, the whole atmosphere around. All Flemish guys are coming, or Belgian guys are coming to the sectors to cheer out. Or it's not the the race the closest to where I live, but it's maybe the race where the most people come watch it. So yeah, history, I guess. What about for you on Sunday, the last one? What are you predicting in terms of emotionally? And also, what do you want out of your last ride at Roubaix and your last race of your career? I first didn't want to have Roubaix as the last one because the race on itself is important and nice enough to to have it by himself and not putting that big mark of my last race of my career, which made me a bit scared of that last race could decide how my career looked like. But then I was actually ready to just ride to the velodrome without needing any result to be happy and having my wife and two kids there, give them a kiss in the middle of the velodrome and tell them that was it. And I don't know if it's sadly enough, but my level is as good as it was the last four or five years on its best. So actually I started uh, believing again that as always getting nervous the last week before and, and going for a result. But of course with maybe a possible wet Roubaix, that's changing again. One last question. If you could give advice to a young self, a young Bert Debacker, or young guys coming into this race, potentially the first time they're doing it, or starting this long love affair with the race, what's some advice you could give your young self coming to Paris-Roubaix now at the end of your career and everything you know about the race? Uh, good luck. Because 
maybe you could say it took a while before I started believing in it or but every Roubaix had his value to come to the point where I am now now many times I had the same tubes but in the end I was still till one hour before the start doubting about my pressure it's part of the game I'm experienced of course but I'm also still doubting for those things so no shortcuts Euro Metropole tour. I'm just back in the hotel. It's the old Franco-Belge and actually it's a circuit I know really well from back in the day. And oh, it was an emotional ride. It was a really emotional race for me. It was just a grimy sort of Belgy race. Um, not overly hard, but hard enough. And I tell you what, like I lost a lot of my confidence. I couldn't really use my arm properly in terms of braking and sprinting. It didn't hurt, but it just it sort of lost its function, that split second function. Um, you know, when I when I went to brake in this instant, it wouldn't exactly pull on in, in split second. So when the race got really sort of as Belgium racing does, tired and everyone slams the brakes on, a couple of times I came close to coming down and I really lost my nerve. Um and I didn't like it. I have to admit, I, I didn't like it. I was really nervous and I was I was hating life, actually. And I was thinking, if the race had stopped today at halfway point, I'd made the decision I didn't want to ride Roubaix. I was like, nah, I can't do this. I really can't do this. I can't even follow on these small little Belgian roads, let alone on wet cobbles in a couple of days. I'm out. And I rode on, I rode on, and we got to the finishing circuits and... Um, the racing got really tough, a bit more flowing, and just legs were the were the point here. And I had good legs. The legs saved me today. I was riding stupidly, but my legs made me get, allowed me to get through. And once I started racing, I sort of got those negative thoughts out of my head. And at one point, I almost got dropped. And I got back to the group, and I thought, Jesus, don't let that happen again. I just went, switched on, and just started racing. And just doing what I need to do and lo and behold I forgot about the arm and I forgot about what how it was affecting me and things like that and um I turned the page it was what needed to happen weirdly I had to go to those bottoms of the depth there mentally and come out of it overcome it and come to the end to rebuild my own confidence to get to the end of that race to go I'm ready I'm ready to take on the next challenge and the next challenge is the recon tomorrow the reconnaissance of the last 100 kilometers of Paris-Roubaix which ultimately is a lot of cobblestones at this point I've got the green light I'll be riding Paris-Roubaix on Sunday unless I say no and uh, I just want to be honest with myself when I do the recon tomorrow that I don't want to feel like I did today in Paris-Roubaix because today was a 170k race and when you put in perspective to a race like Roubaix, it was a shit ton easier. <laughs> and uh, I found it tough. So I need to feel confident on the cobbles. And um, let me just get over that next hurdle. But at this moment, there's a smile on my face because I got through the race pretty well. And um, we're ready to go. 
This is my teammate, Tom Scully. Tell me about the recon now. For anyone out there listening, the reconnaissance of, of Roubaix. Tell them what we did today and essentially in a nutshell what a recon should be for and then what the recon was for us. So basically we're going out to have a look at the course, to check it out, to, to get a feeling, to, to learn, to absorb as much information as you can on these sectors. Um, Test the material. Test the material, test the, um, the setup of the bike, um, the tyre pressures, the, the wheel choices, the handlebar tape. There's lots and lots of little things. You position on the bike that you want to do for Roubaix, that you just need to have it locked away, that you finish this recon t- at the end of today, and your bike, you're 100% happy with your bike. So the next two days before the race, there's no change in anything else. You've, you've tested it all. You've gone higher in your tyre pressure, you've gone lower in your t- tyre pressure, you know, your stems at the right, whatever. Iron out any any wrinkles that need iron out on the course. Because you, you have an idea before you do one of these things of sort of what you want, but until you're on the stones, it's just a such a fresh reminder. And even I had a warped opinion again after I did two sectors, but arguably the two hardest sectors, Wallers, the sector before Arenberg and Arenberg, I came off feeling like 10 men. I felt great. My arm's perfect. Wasn't until we did 90k on these sectors, 15 sectors I think we did today, that actually I got a real perception of what I need to do because you need the the built-up time on the stones as well to get a real good idea. I blistered. Okay, that's not quite proper. I went up in pressure. I need to go back down in pressure. That's what I think what today was really important for. We actually did... 94k of the of the race today didn't we yeah i mean that's probably important to note we don't go and ride every kilometer of the race mm. um but we start at the key key points of the race where the the, the bike race is really going to start you know mm. there's a lot of time on on normal roads before we hit the cobbles and we don't go all the way to the finish line either but because um, what happens after that will will happen on race day it won't change too much you know um how do you feel you know, I felt I felt we raced yesterday. The legs were a little bit heavy. It's kind of nice to have that feeling because we don't do the first cobbles. Um, so you're already deep in the bike race with a little bit of a, a heavy feeling in your mm. legs. And yeah, you, the first few roll out pretty easy. And you know, then the guys start getting a little bit more excited and oh, they're feeling like you see 10 men. Yep. Then they start running a few sectors pretty hot. Then there's another sector that someone else runs hot. Then someone else wants to go fast on the next. And then the next thing you know, we're going fast on every sector. It's great and it's good to test all your equipment at speed to get a feel for what it's like in racing in a few days' time. But you also need to you keep burn the matches. Yeah, you've got to peg it back a little bit and just go, hey guys, we're here to check this corner out. We're not here to see how fast we can go around it. Well, yeah, that's one thing you might want to do. But it's about knowing that there is gravel on the inside of this corner and inside of the next one's got three stones missing there's a massive hole there so stay right you know what i mean there's an element of showboating there is and it's like in some ways it can be frustrating if it's not not there's not a lid kept on it like because you want to just go and have a nice ride and do all the right things hey, that's what sunday's for is to go, to go how and would you say show us how good your legs are on sunday you don't have to show us today how would you say in that analogy if you've got a jar and the lid's been completely blown off and all the stuff's flowing out everywhere. That's like completely exploded. And then a completely controlled recon, the lid's on, the lid didn't even, didn't even get touched. How do you think we went today? Yeah, I think we'd broken the seal. Yeah. <laughs> and if you tip the jar up, the lid's still on, but if you tip the jar upside down, there's definitely stuff leaking out. <laughs> 
exactly what I want you to say. Uh, last question. How are you feeling about Sunday now, about that? Now you've been on the Stones, this different time of year. You would have had a thought before today. Has that changed? Has it continued on? Yeah, I mean, it's here we are in October. It's already almost a, a year and a half probably since we, we last raced in Roubaix. So it's quite a long time. Um, obviously, with the COVID last year, we didn't race. So whilst you've got memories there of the stuff we've done in the past, um, that's that's one thing. But actually now, it's fresh again. And then the next three days here at the hotel, it's all been like brought, brought to the front of your mind again. And okay, this is what's happening. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Before then, it's sort of like, you know, it's that memory deep in the back of your brain somewhere um, but now it's fresh it's clear we've been rattled across the cobbles today you know what your body feels like on the cobbles you know what your equipment feels like and you know we're just having a nice couple of days here at the hotel basically just waiting for the race to start now isn't it Sitting here with Michael Valgren, mate, I just walked into the room and I just said this to you. I didn't know you hadn't ridden Roubaix before and watching your form the last few weeks and knowing that you were coming here, I was excited. I was speaking to you about it. I'm like, mate, we're going to have a beer in Roubaix. I was like, oh, he's potentially a real roughie for the win here. And you're like, I actually, I haven't ridden the race yet. And tell me how that's come about. How have you not ridden the race up until this point in your career? Yeah, it's going to be the first one on this Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it but yeah like the, my first three years I followed Alberto uh, so I was not on the classic program yeah obviously riding for Saxo we had Sagan and his squad so and I wasn't in that direction that at that time then I joined Astana and then uh, I did my first couple sections at, uh, that year doing like again they were game uh, Flanders and these races but I always skipped Roubaix because Amstel was my race mm. and so we always like no, I'm not going to do Roubaix. It's just—it's too close to Amstel, and I have to prepare for doing like hills, you know, or yeah, sp- yeah. small bergs. So, so that—that's that, a—that's the reason I wasn't supposed to do it this year either. But then they postponed it. So, like, perfect, good option now. Right, stars are aligning. Stars yeah. are aligning. Yeah, like I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, and you say like my shape is is pretty good, and I think we have awesome equipment. Mm. We have maybe the best DS in the car. Mm-hmm. So, and we have a good team. So I, I just think if I can just uh, get through the first crazy sections, then uh, hopefully the legs will talk after that. Tell me what your thoughts about today was. Today we did the recon. Oh, crazy. Like, I knew the coppers were rough because I did some of them in the tour, but it's totally different. Like, uh, we raised so many kilometers on, on the cobbles and you really feel it after each section, like your fingers and hands. It's just like, oh this hurts you know <laughs> and then we sit there in the bus watch the recount of like or um, from a race like back in 2000, 2002 you know and it just looks so easy and it's <laughs> also what I, it's also what I've been like seeing on television no, it's not, not so hard but damn I got some respect for you guys that's done it so many times and like it's it's brutal it's honestly brutal it isn't it? you watch it on the TV and you're like yeah, I can see it's sort of hard in Nuremberg but the rest of the time it seriously looks like guys are just riding on smooth roads yeah it's not like that not at all and just like some few sections with like a few corners in them and they're like 
oh, proper dangerous, you know, like, because you're not, not going to break too much, are you? Because then it's going to slide your front wheel or whatever, and you got to go full in them, otherwise you lose meters. So, and then, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be chaos with the crowds, and this, this Sunday should probably be wet as, as well, so it's going to be a pretty experience for the first edition, I guess. How did your legs feel on the cobbles in terms of form, like? You know, were you like, oh, that's, that's a good sensation because we had the race yesterday and we were actually going pretty hard out there today and I'm not going to lie, I was suffering quite a lot out there Yeah. in many moments. How did you feel though? Oh, I agree. It was not really a recovery day, was it? Like no. Yesterday was a tough race. I felt not great in the first few sectors. Like I think I had to find like the rhythm and Andreas came and told me a, a few little tips and after that I felt really like kind of comfortable. But then towards the end of the ride I was just kind of knackered like mm. I had bad experience with two of the, the, the sections it was, was Armberg and Café de Labre which is probably the two <laughs> worst sections as well but like that kind of annoyed me because I think they are like key moments but once we're in the race you just gotta follow the wheel in front of you what do you think was the, the hardest point in those two sectors for you today actually the the sector before uh, Monsam um, Pavel Pavel is, is also quite tough it's slightly mm. uphill and that's uh, I think Tom he put us under pressure there I was not not yeah. so happy <laughs> to be honest I was actually suffering there too yeah yeah. and then I, I went full tilt myself on on once I'm, I'm Pavel with a like, headwind and I thought I'd drop all you guys but you're all still there and I'm like oh fuck that <laughs> but, uh, I was so happy with headwind there I'm like yeah. yes go go on give me your vest yeah I had to like come up with an attack after on the, on the asphalt just to make uh, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, get a bit of a uh, morale back yeah exactly <laughs> alright I've got a couple more questions for you tell me about your first memory of Roubaix that's actually a really good question like um, I came into cycling not late but back in 2005 6 so it's longer but back then I didn't watch it at all then I think when I became like a youth rider or a junior I used to go to one of my mates he's like he, he was 35 and he just loved cycling so we went to his place, uh, watched Cancellara and, and Boonen fighting with each other, ordering pizzas and stuff, and like that's probably my my first memory back back from Roubaix. Nice. What do you think is going to be the toughest bit of the race? Yeah. So, oh, I don't know. I I'm quite not scared, but I think before the first couple section, I heard mm. like it's going to be it's a brutal, it's a fight, and. I just kind of want to stay upright and not be too far back. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's maybe what frightened me the most. Hopefully, like, when the peloton gets a bit smaller and you have just usual legs and maybe teammates and stuff like that, then I think I'll be all right. But I'm, I'm yeah, I would say Cafu de Labra is, is, mm. is the worst, I, I reckon. And, and, and So that's the one I probably look least forward to. Because at the end of the race, it's pretty yeah. bloody hard. Yeah, you just have tired legs, don't you? Like it's yeah. a two hundred sixty k bike race. Just you can't get there easy at all. Like there's just no chance. Okay, sitting here on Monday morning, if you and I were talking, and I go to you, mate, what's your dream day? What can you? If you and I were talking on Monday, and we could just describe what your day would be, if you can just envision what you would love to happen, tell me about what you would love to happen on Sunday. I would like to have a fast race. Uh, that's how I felt the best on the couples when it's like going fast. Because when you go a bit slower, I feel like I'm jumping all around the bike. Uh, so ideally, I would just uh, kind of be cruising around top 20 the whole day and try to hide. Uh, 
be out of the wind and then yeah then do a, a sneaky attack at uh, at some point you know because I think actually if I'm out there alone or in a smaller group I can I can do pretty well so mm. and I, I just love to be part of the race like I don't expect a win or anything but like if I can be in some kind of pre-final or make a selection and then just be I'm not gonna say shown on television just to get television time, but like, yeah, but you know what I mean, like to to to, to be to be a part of the front race at, at at some point, and then if you have legs, you have legs. If you don't, then that's it. What do you think makes this race so great? I think it's because you can come back like so many times. I think people they really fear the couples, and they will go all in. But then on the asphalt, you can actually make a difference, mm. and I kind of like that. It's a bit like similar to, to to Flanders. I'm not an expert in positioning, but in Flanders, I did a few top tens just from coming back to the front group from a like second group or third group. So I think like these races, if you just keep believing, you can you can come back and and, and repair things that you where you messed up, and then yeah. If you have like good endurance, you you can make a difference towards the end. So that's what I like, like about these races. It's not about like big climb where you, the best climbers just goes billion watts per kilo and you you're too heavy and fat and you can't follow. You know, here it's more about like being smart and and, and just keep believing, I guess. Okay, wow. The recon. The reconnaissance of Roubaix. Every year you romanticise this race and every year you come back and do it, regardless of my injuries, whatever. And it's just tough. It's just really tough, the cobblestones. But I loved it. (laughs) I might sound crazy, but I loved it. We started two sectors before, one sector before Arenberg. So we started in Wallaires. We did Wallaires and I was like... Here we go. Let's see how this arm holds up. We hit it. And I was like, well, I felt good. I was okay. That was fine. Then we hit Arenberg and I said, well, let's rip the band-aid off straight into the harder sector. I'm sitting behind Scully. I'm like, what's he doing? Is he just waiting? And just rode around him. I was like, wow, this feels good. I feel good. I came off. I had a smile on my face and I was just like, I think it's going to happen. Sunday's going to be okay. But then the reality kicked in and stuff got hard because that's what makes Rubay hard. It's not just one sector. It's the sectors building up on you. And um, the boys are squeezing it. And yeah, I was on my limit quite a lot, many times. I couldn't show a kink in the armor. I don't know if the team was watching, but I had that feeling like this is still a point to prove that I'm not going to get dropped. I can handle it. And I didn't want to get dropped for myself. Like, how does that do for your own confidence either? And so when we were really squeezing it and stuff, I just really had to dig deep and try and stay comfortable. Finding a comfortable position for me too has been tough with the arm and I got blisters and, well, Sunday's going to be epic. Sitting up the back of the bus with Stefan Bissinger on the eve of his first 
professional Paris-Roubaix? Because you've ridden already the Aspars Paris-Roubaix, haven't you? Uh, just juniors, actually. Oh, just juniors? Yeah, just juniors. Oh, so there's been a gap. It's been a while. Yeah, so it's been five years now. Wow. So, a couple of things I want to ask you about. Let's go to the recon. What did you think of rolling 16 sectors of Paris-Roubaix? Yeah, it was actually the recon was already pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. day, day after the race, the guys were going pretty fast. So, uh, yeah, I already suffered. But, uh, yeah, no, we won't, we won't go any faster on the cobbles on the Sunday, so... What was the hardest part for you? Yeah, I think, uh, like, the proper Arenberg, I think, was the hardest one, just because the cobbles are so shit. Mm. And, uh, yeah, like, also Mont-Saint-Pervel, just because it's so long and mm. the headwind, like... Uh, what did you hard. think of Cafo de Labra? For me, personally, this isn't that, that hard, but I don't know. It's also far in the race, and so it makes it harder then. I'm, I'm in the same agreements as you. It's not like it's not hard, for sure. It's really tough. We're on our way to the presentation, which is, for anyone out there who doesn't know, the day before the race, we go and meet up at the start of the race in Compiègne and do a presentation. Actually, pretty fun. I don't know what's going to happen today because before COVID, you used to be able to go around to all little tents of the sponsors. They would give you a little gift. You go up, you sort of feel, oh, Roubaix's coming. Um, you know, are you are you looking forward to experiencing this? And what are your feelings on the eve of the big race? Like, are you how are you feeling? Are you nervous? Are you okay? Excited? It's the end of the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward also to the presentation. Since I'm a pro, like the last one year, it never actually really happened that we had like a proper presentation. It was always a bit strange. And now uh, at the World Championships, there are like a lot of people and was actually fun yeah to be there to to see all this the whole crowd just coming for us and cheering for us so uh yeah i'm really looking forward now to this uh presentation here and then we see how it goes and uh yeah for the race for sure i'm really excited i'm also a little bit scared because of the the rain the wet uh, the whole race mm. also my hand is not 100 percent, so i always see how it goes but uh yeah it's gonna be a tough one tomorrow and i'm actually really looking forward to it and also that the season is over afterwards yeah exactly i think it's always like one of those races where it's going to be great at the end of the race what's one thing you want to happen tomorrow for you one thing win <laughs> <laughs> perfect so i think it's not gonna happen but if i can wish nice Sitting back here with Paris Roubaix veteran teammate Sebastian Langeveld. Mate, welcome to the pod. Thanks, Mitch. What's your feelings first now, before we get into a few questions about the race, now about Paris Roubaix being at the end of the year? You've done the Worlds last week. It's been a couple of years since the race. I can tell you firsthand, I'm actually more nervous than I've ever been. I know I've got some different stuff to you. But even so, I think it's just been the build-up to this race for a long time, and now suddenly we're here, and I'm feeling really nervous, anxious about just... I just want to start racing. How are you feeling towards it? Yeah, in a way, Roubaix is Roubaix, but, uh, yeah, it's different now. It's been a, it's been a while since we raced it. I think uh, almost two years, 2019 was the last time. Yeah, like you, I've been waiting for it, and, yeah, especially with, uh, with the weather conditions tomorrow, it's going to be, uh, yeah, a special one. So you've ridden Roubaix 13 times. Some people have ridden at 16. I think 16 is the record. So, mate, you can you can take that over. Four more years of your career. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll take it year by year. But, uh, 
yeah, 13 times it's uh, it's you would say it's enough, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it's Roubaix for me especially. It's the it's the race I would I, I'm looking forward to the most. It's uh, it suits me quite well. I had a couple of decent results in the past, and uh, yeah, like yourself, I'm. I'm really like uh, looking forward to it like a junior tomorrow. Why does it suit you, do you think? A little bit. I started off as a cyclocrosser. Not that Roubaix and cyclocross has yeah, a couple of things they have in common, but not that much. But it's just uh, riding on cobbles, I think it's, uh, for me, in a natural way, I, I sort of like goes quite quite easy for me. First, Flanders was always my dream race, and it still is. It's still a beautiful race. but. The more I get older and older, I think Roubaix is the race that uh, one of the only races in the year that I actually, you know, can uh, can really go for a result. Mm. Uh, I don't have to be afraid on the cobbles that uh, they're gonna drop me or anything. Mm. But uh, yeah, so this is my uh, the moment of the year tomorrow. Yeah, nice. Take me back. What's your first memory of Paris Roubaix? Oh, my first memory. It's uh, yeah, watching the race with with my dad. And we always like what's watching the races like Flanders, Roubaix, uh, video recorder, uh, watch it again. <laughs> so, but that's also I think it's uh, that's all that's also a way to like learn the courses, learn the courses. Yeah. Uh, so basically, when I when I did my first Roubaix, or uh, that was as a junior, I already knew like the sectors and the, and the stuff. And and now I did 13 Roubaix with the pros, but all those recons, all those amateur uh, versions, junior races. Uh, I won't say I'm, I can do it with my eyes closed, but I'm, uh, yeah, I know the course uh, quite well. It helps so much, like even just not the actual sectors, but coming off, okay, there's that roundabout and then we're gonna go up there to the right and I know that bit there, we're gonna come down. Actually, that's a good point to move up before yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, yesterday when we started the recon, we came onto the course, I actually didn't know where we were until we literally turned on the course and went, I know exactly where I am now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, if you do a recon, like, recon, recon on the bike with the team, and but also I think the way to also do a recon is just watching videos, like mm. like, like yourself, you know, we uh, we are the, the old guys who are also like to like watch a little bit of history. Fans of the sport, Fans actually. Fans of the sport. Yeah. And, uh, but then also, if you, if you really look at the races from the past or like races back, there's always sort of like, there's always a point you have to be in front. Yeah. But uh, the way the peloton moves, okay, it changes a little bit, but the room and the space is always comes on the same moment mm. and time. So that's also a way to to learn the race a little bit. So mm. yeah, small advice to all the young guys and young kids. Uh, watching races will like help you definitely uh, uh, in your career. Nice, love it. <laughs> Tell me about coming to the velodrome also coming to the velodrome sprinting for the win but every time you come into the velodrome that feeling for you what is that like yeah it's special huh? it's hard to compare it with any other race yeah. or i did the tour a couple of times and then i mean finishing on the champs elysees that's that's also sort of kind of special you know the whole running into the champs and then all the spectators but the velodrome in roubaix it's uh yeah it has something ma- magical i think yeah. it's just just weird but it's just a couple of other moments in the year like Flanders the start in Flanders I always find like like there's almost like something in the air you know yeah it's gonna happen and yeah I think we're we have to see it like that we are one of the lucky guys who can do the race tomorrow in those that circumstances rain mud uh, it will be 
hectic, panic, will probably be on the ground one or two times, but <laughs> it's again, it's something you will probably never forget. I love that. Yeah. We are the lucky ones because I'm getting caught up in my head like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm nervous and this and that. And I was like, no, this is... This is it. This is yeah. you're a lucky one to be here. I mean, yeah, everybody will be nervous. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be like crosswinds in the beginning. So so much factors you don't have in your hand, but I mean we we looked at the history we were doing the muddy rubes and, and now actually we're we're here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the toughest bit for you? The toughest bit, I think what I remember is always like the first sectors are always like once you pass those now basically, well, let's say when you come out of the forest and then you're still in a good position, you don't have too many, like, you don't have to spend too many energy with a flat tire or a crash. My race always began like after the forest, you mm. know, that's also, you know, like it's 90k to go, you know how the legs are, you know how the cobbles feel, you, you have it or you don't have it. Yeah. So around the forest, mm. uh, it's, that's always uh, a good moment, but to be there like that's probably that whole section from the first sectors to the to the forest that's probably my, my most difficult and tell me lastly uh, on the eve of tomorrow you know what's one thing you would love for you tomorrow to happen you know what in your mind you're like okay obviously you want to go for the win or it could be that or go for this but in your mind you're like you know if this happens i'm happy that's something successful for me tomorrow uh beside everything what can go wrong uh, I hope I wake up tomorrow morning. I, I for the for the moment I have that feeling, but like ready to race, not like a negative stress sort of thing, you know. Mm. But I uh, I would love to like enjoy the race tomorrow. Yeah. And whatever happens, everybody, the whole peloton, like 180 guys, will be fighting for the position, fighting for the life to be. Yeah, we already said it together to to be top five in the first sections. But I mean, there's only space for a couple of guys. And whatever happens after, I just want to make, like, hopefully I can make it to, uh, to the velodrome. I just want to, like, look back and, uh, with a positive, like, feeling, you know? Well, I'm back in the hotel room now. The rain is falling. And today was my last training ride as a pro. Another one of those things I'm ticking off. My last pre-race ride, my last training ride. Did all my openers and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I have to admit, I've been actually getting progressively more nervous to the race. You know, I got a little bit sick a couple of days ago. You can probably hear in my voice a little bit nasally. You know, everything's, the tension's building, the pressure's building. But I went to the presentation this afternoon, the team presentation, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's you go down and you stand in Compain and you traditionally you walk around and collect stuff from all the sponsors and stuff like that. But we don't do that now. Go up and presentation for the team and stuff. And there was a couple of guys there from my fan club and they were just, you know, really into it. Really, I really grabbed that energy off them. And it sort of just eased the pressure that had been building. And I sort of was able to get a smile on my face and go, yeah, this is going to be cool. This is it. Um, It was a really nice release that I needed. I didn't think it would be there. I didn't even expect anything from that presentation, but I came away from there feeling excited about the race again. Um, Over the last few days, I've 
progressively got less excited about it and more nervous about it, especially with the weather. But I keep telling myself, you know, don't worry about it. Don't, don't stress too much. But naturally I just, I am stressing about it. I am nervous about it. I'm scared actually. I'm scared about the wet cobbles. I want to finish, you know, I want to close everything off perfectly, but it's not going to be like that. I think I need to realize that. Anyway, at this moment, afternoon before the big day, sitting back watching the women's race. And again, (laughs) I'm feeling more nervous watching their race because it's looking hectic out there, but I'll get through it. You know, it's going to be a story and it's going to be a hard day. So let's see what tomorrow brings. Well, here we are. Morning of. Last day. Last day as a pro. I'm not really thinking of it like that, actually. I'm just more thinking about the race. I'm pretty nervous about this race. It's just pouring down rain outside. And it's windy. I think I need to just get this thing started now. There's too much stuff going on in my head. I need to get this race started. I need to just suffer and then just see where I'm at and then make my way to the velodrome. Here we go. All right, it's nearly time for the start and uh, we've got to go up for this final presentation. Even though we are up there yesterday, we've still got to go up and do the last presentation in our kit, roll down that ramp and then through the mix zone, something I'm aware about now. I know Lionel's in there and he wants to have a chat to me, so... Let's go and find Lionel. Let's enjoy my last presentation. You've only got to do this once more, Mitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> how are you, boys? I'm good, thanks. How are you? More importantly, how are you this morning? I'm nervous. I don't know why. Like... I just got to ride through it, but I think it's just because I care about the race and I care about my legacy. I don't want to just be that guy. and So I'm also scared of the, the actual parkour. But I think the problem is, as great as all the support has been, it also adds to the nerves. You know, all the messages, all that sort of stuff. Sometimes you want to be just like, just do what you normally do and just go out and race. Um, so once the race starts, I think... I think I'll be all right. Can you focus on what your job is today and, and what actually is your job today? We haven't necessarily got a set like, you go for the break, I go for the break, wait for that guy. I think it's quite an even team without one standout leader. You know, obviously Michael Valgren and, you know, Sebastian Langevelt are the two sort of guys who will probably go very far in the race. But the rest of us, including those guys, are going to try and go in the break, going to try and just race it on the front foot because... I predict it'll split up. You know, I just don't think it's with the weather. Okay, the wind's not as strong, but with the weather, with the cobbles, it's going to be one of those days where a group goes, but then if you're on the second or third group, doesn't mean you're out of the race, you can ride back. Um, So everyone just has to race, weirdly, a bit amateur style and just protect yourself. But if you're with a teammate, look after each other. We're not just going to have guys in the wind burning themselves or something like that. I mean, this is something that no one will have experienced, a properly wet edition of Paris Bay. I mean, it's something that the fans anticipate from the comfort of their sofa. But I can tell the, the nerves are, you know, as everyone's coming through here and as the start gets closer, 
it must add a whole other layer to the difficulty of the cobbles. I've always said I want to do a, Paris, <coughs> a wet Paris-Roubaix and every year that I get close to it then I pull out of that comment. It's one of those things that also with normal Roubaix you enjoy it afterwards. You don't really enjoy it in the moment because it's so hard and and today especially, I don't know, I'm just thinking to myself, race the first hundred, full gas, get to that first sector, and then that's the second race and see what happens. I'm gonna definitely go with a bit more of a cautious side than I would have done if I was a younger guy. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad decision today. I think even some other guys should take that approach because just say you go in and you fight for that wheel and you do crash, that could be race over, opposed to maybe losing a few positions and make it up later. Maybe that's not the right way to talk when you're trying to win the race, but I don't know. I think I don't think anyone knows. Like, what's it going to be like? We saw the women yesterday, and it's worse than that, so... Yeah, it doesn't feel like the last day of term at school where they allow you to wear non-uniform or bring in some toys. I mean, I can tell that the, the, nerves are, the nerves are real. I mean, this is also a unique race in the sense that even if you know you're going to be outside the time limit, everyone pushes on to the velodrome, don't they? Yeah, I've thought about that too. I thought ultimately there's going to come a point, you know, where wherever you are, maybe that's coming off the front group or maybe that's coming off the, you know, in the first sector or whatever, you're going to have to ultimately make that decision about trying to get in. And for me, it's always been about trying to get in time. Of course, that's going to be a goal again today, but I'm just going to try and get in. I want to get in. Um, and I hope there's nothing that restricts me from riding it out. Yeah, that's all I hope for. That is a clip we've been waiting to hear for almost a thousand days. Christian Prudhomme saying that it is the start of Paris-Roubaix. The 118th edition. We're off. We're running. Oh, not already. Mitch Docker there too. And it's the last dance for Mitch Docker today. His last ever race as a professional cyclist. He's had to really work hard to get here. And if there's somebody who didn't want to go down at this point, oh my word. Van Mers hits the front. Not sure what he's got left though, because here comes Colbrelli. Van Mers is holding on. Van Mers is holding on. Colbrelli through the centre. Colbrelli through the centre. Viva Italia. Forza Italia. They've done it finally. All right. I'm actually back on the old Mitchelton, on the old bike exchange bus. I'm sitting up front with Durbo. Everyone knows Durbo. Hey, how you going? Good to have you on here, Mitch. About time you returned. And of course, Sam Buley, another good friend of mine. Great to have you, mate, but you could have brought some beers. <laughs> Would have been nice. <laughs> well, I looked after myself, all vile in hand. We've just been debriefing the race, and I thought, you know what, I might as well bring the mic out. I was just telling the boys that it was a bit of a blessing in disguise for me today because I crashed. Okay, how's that a blessing in disguise? I don't know. I crashed in the beginning and I was thinking, I was just scared. I was just, I've never been so nervous for a race than today. I was so nervous at the start and I think that had something to do with me crashing at the start. I crashed 300 meters into the race and I sat at the back pretty much the whole way from there to the first sector. I was nervous, I was scared of the race. We hit the first sector and once the race got away and I had a bit of space, I started to find my groove, but I didn't love it. 
it was muddy it was hell out there and I realized that moment I wanted to fight onto the velodrome today but not like this I thought is it worth pushing onto the velodrome alone out the back one hour behind just to prove that I got to the velodrome I don't know there was a lot going through my head and luckily I was with Sam Sam was back with me he has a still got a, a wrist injury himself Bules, what was it like there for us at the back? Mate, it was different, wasn't it? And I, I think, like, I was scared. Everybody was scared. Everybody was shitting themselves, let's be honest. But there was a real kind of an air of excitement as well. And uh, people behave differently when they're afraid. And obviously the guys that um, performed better than you and I today probably took, took the, you know, more risks and things. But I think, saying to you earlier, like, mate, You've done so many rebays. You've had so many successful rebays. You've had some just horrible rebays with that really bad crash in 2016. Um, and today was the last race of your career. And, and you know what? In sport, I said fairy tale endings don't happen for many people in sport. They happen for bloody Richie McCaw, who's the All Blacks captain. All these, you know, all these superstars of sport. But for for most people, they don't happen. And I think you getting to the velodrome today wasn't. It didn't need to be the be or, be or end all. You've done 15 years of professional. You've done so many rebates, but you've never, ever done a wet one. And cycling is repetitive. Cycling is repetitive. And ultimately, it starts to wear you down and wear you down. But after 15 years and thousands of bike, professional bike races, you got to finish by doing one race you've never done before, which was an epic, wet, scary, shit rebate. And that's still one, one way to look at it, you know. And, mate you and I are always going to get dropped today probably we spoke about it last night <laughs> and we probably were always going to be together for different reasons and we were and for that short period that we were together I stopped as well um, mate I loved it I, I would have loved to ruin the velodrome for you but with you today but it wasn't possible you know it wasn't possible and it, and it didn't need to happen but we still shared um, our last cobblestone together that on a bike race anyway I'm sure we'll do a few uh, fun fun boozy ones but uh, our last bike race the last cobblestone together and loved it mate every minute of it it was nice being out the back with you and actually we we shared a moment you know before we got to the cobblestones it's a scary moment i think that's the transition in my career is that i was nervous in the bunch when we were going fast stuff that's out of your control and you hear the brakes going in the wet and you're thinking shit am i gonna am i gonna crash and i guess i'll go back to what i mean by blessing in disguise is my fan club had done an awesome job. You might have seen it on the social media. And they lined the Forest of Arenberg, the lead into that with my name. And I've sort of let them down in recent times because <clears throat> I haven't been much racing in Belgium. And I thought the least I can do today is get to Arenberg. And so I soldiered on to Arenberg, saw my name there. And it inspired me for that first 500 metres of Arenberg until, you know, the reality of Arenberg set in and it's it's brutal across there and I'm glad I got to experience that final brutalness of Arenberg and feel it and hate it look I was lucky enough at the end of that to spot a life in the peloton cap two life in the peloton caps I yelled out hey boys you want to drive me to the velodrome and uh they didn't think I was serious until I actually confirmed that I was and we went back we jumped in the car, cracked a beer, and next thing I knew, it was a blessing in disguise. It was like this was meant to be. I wasn't just riding in some foreign team car, you know, in a misery sort of moment. I was immediately feeling relief from the race. 
and immediately in this 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 great spot this transitional phase you know not that beer was necessary but hanging out with guys who who really had the passion for for me for the sport I just I really loved it but I want to speak to someone who actually went to velodrome and Durbo was that guy Derbs what was it like racing the front of the race today and actually going the whole way to the line uh yeah I mean uh my story's not as uh, not as romantic as yours, and, and I'm really, really proud that uh, I could race in your last race. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say thanks because I owe a lot to you for my passion for these races, and um, the reason I keep coming back here was, you know, originally when you took me up here back in 2013, 2014, we still lived in Ghent, and it was just like really beautiful memories. So, um, yeah, first of all, I'd just like to say thanks for that, and. Um, yeah, today I'm having a bit of a come down now, uh, thinking about it all. I can't really see still because I lost my glasses after the second sector, so sort of uh, everything's a bit of a haze. In a nutshell, my day was was good. I, I went in the in the in the split about 30k in, big split. Myself and Rob Stanner was in there, and, we, and I rode really well, and I was feeling pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, I punctured out of punctured out of that group um which happens in Roubaix but uh, I, was, I was slightly frustrated about that and then another group and then the peloton caught me probably a couple of sections before Arenberg but I was good I rode through Arenberg I got sort of was in second group after Arenberg and then after a couple of sections and then eventually we got back to the front group after three or four sections after Arenberg so yeah I was in the front of the race and um I was feeling good and uh who knows and then uh, my cassette collapsed and um, had to do two bike changes and then that was it my day was done so look I'm a bit upset about my day but uh, it sort of makes you all feel better when you roll into roll into the velodrome you know like I went so deep I couldn't see I was so buckled there's so much mud it was just such an insane day as you boys just wrapped it up before like 20 years and I was I was 10 years old the last time there was a wet roubaix none of us have done one so it's incredible that we we're here um look man last night when the rain was teeming down i was just as scared man i didn't want to start either but it's just one of those things like it's just out there there's just no way about it but uh rolling into the velodrome was just like oh, man we did it like you've done it and and actually it's also season done for me too and I mean career done for you and season done for Bills it's just every time you finish the season and uh, you finish your last race there's that elation of just like it's the off season it's been a big year it's been a big year for everyone post-COVID year there's a lot of a lot of emotions so uh, fuck I'm just really looking forward to sitting down we're returning to our our, um, our team hotel which is the Leppel Bed in Ghent Mitch spent many, many years there, and and so did Sam. So it's just going to be a nice fitting end to going into the off season, finishing off your career, sitting down with some good family hotel times, and um, enjoying a beer. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Getting on the train tomorrow to Ghent, eating a filthy Burger King hamburger at nine thirty in the morning, and suffering from an Orval hangover. Bring it on. Riding the cobblestones in the mud. Was it? what you thought it would be and what was it like honestly I, I had no idea what to expect like in my head we were going to come into the first sector at 55k an hour 
the first guy to touch a cobblestone was going to wipe out and the bunch was going to follow. Another blessing in disguise, I think, probably was that it was gnarly weather, it was windy, it was wet leading into the section. There was actually a crash, a couple of K from the first section, so we actually went in in quite a smaller group. I think there was only about 30 of us in the group that we were in. So it was a little bit safer, but I didn't know what to expect. It was probably muddier than I thought it would be. Um, I didn't expect it to be like so thick with mud across the whole sector. Uh, it was certainly slippery, but in a weird way, it was more rideable than I thought it was going to be. Um, you kind of, it, it was a different atmosphere where you were, you basically got into a, onto the cobble section and it was about getting from A to B the best way you could and you worried about nothing other than keeping your wheels on the ground. But in a, in a strange way, it seemed to be more rideable than what I expected. I thought it would be an ice skating rink out there, which it was, but it was manageable in some senses, if you understand what I mean. Personally, I think it was it made the cold softer. Um, there was so much mud. Um, it makes it much more dangerous, but the whole, the overall cobbles were softer because you've got about, you know, five centimetres worth of mud over most of it. So you are riding through, it does soften the cobbles. So you don't get as, I feel like it wasn't as, like that, my hands are nowhere near as buckled as they used to, they normally are. But the only thing is, is that when you does go wrong, it goes wrong very quickly and you have no choice. You sort of, once you slip off the hump into the mud and you, you're down, you know, so I guess it's sort of like a, it's a sort of catch twenty two. Like you, it's softer, but it's way more dangerous. That's how that's how I saw it today. Hmm. Oh uh, yeah. I was. I went into that first sector very, very cautiously, and actually, you. I lost you guys a lot because I was like, same theory. I thought, I thought it was just going to be straight down, but you slowly built up your confidence. I don't know if I agree that was softer. I certainly felt the cobbles a lot today. Hell of a day. Hell of a day. I'm down the back of the bus. Now I'm talking to... Wow, he's a sports director now. He's never been my sports director. Ex-teammate. Good mate. Sports director of Mitchelton. Well, sorry, bike exchange. Maddie Heyman, Parry Roubaix winner. Mate, how are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, a lot more relaxed now than I was 24 hours ago. Me too. Yeah. Very much so. Tell me about. Uh, were you in 2 1, 2001 or 2002? I was looking for you. Wash your mouth out. You were? Uh, of course, of course. I've done two wet ones. Okay. My stripes. So, in your opinion, what did you think of today in comparison to those years? Yeah, not, not a lot different really. Um, what I expected as far as, yeah, it all goes down pretty quick. Uh, a lot of big names can have issues early on. Um, but then again, you know, you see the, the, the cream rise and every guy that you see in the final, you go back and think where you've seen them race and you think, oh yeah, he's pretty strong. He, he does know his way around a bike. So um, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting race today. What about the surprises? Like, because like Van Asbrook was up there. Yeah. Bouvan, yeah. you know, like who else was up there? I only just saw the end, but like, well, even I know it's not really a surprise, but um, uh, who was leading the race? Vermeer. No, well, Vermeer, but also Moscon. Yeah, like oh, I think you know? I don't think Johnny. I think Johnny's been around, been around a few finals of Roubaix before. Um, no, but of course, and and I think uh, you know this goes back to to not only my win, but uh, there's there's a, a list of other 
wins in Roubaix from guys from the second line or guys that you wouldn't think about. And, and it's why people stay passionate about this race, I think. Uh, you know, it always leaves that little bit of what if in people's minds where you know you go to Milan San Remo and, and nothing against Milan San Remo but you've got a pretty good idea who the top 10 are going to be yeah. um, but this one is truly open and I do think that there is you know on the start line this morning even pissing rain there's a few guys thinking well if I did make that break who knows um, and and I think that's exciting in a bike race. What was it like being in the car and looking out and seeing it could you actually feel what it was like was it been too long since you remember those days back in 2001 2002 were you like oh i know exactly what's going on right now i know what's going through their mind it's probably getting i'm getting further and further removed from knowing what those exact feelings are um i'm i get less empathy with the riders as they come past when they're dropped yeah. i reckon when i was first director i was like oh that hurts um, and now you're a bit more focused just on where your guys are. Um, no, but uh, yeah, looking out the window, I mean, uh, first I woke up at three this morning, um, worried about what I was going to say to the boys in the bus. Um, I wanted to make sure, you know, that they were inspired to go out there and try their hardest, and it was all right to be scared, but um, I didn't want them to miss an opportunity by being scared because. You know, and I think in many ways the women's race yesterday was, was was good for a lot of these guys to see that, you know, they all got to the finish line, they all got back up again, and yeah, it's scary and dangerous to fall off your bike on cobbles. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, once, once you hit the first sector and you get that feeling, you get that slide underneath you, you kind of know what to expect. I think a lot of guys then, then settled in and enjoyed a pretty muddy, brutal day in hell. Were you scared in 2001? Yeah, bloody oath, I'm scared. Um, I, I remember sprinting into one of my, my worst, you know, most scary moments on a bike is sprinting into Arenberg um, when it's wet. Yeah. Um, and I don't need to tell you about that because you've sprinted into Arenberg. And, um, yeah, so that's that's a particularly bad one. And, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them race that from the other direction. We raced it uphill a couple of times. Um, there's probably no need to ride it downhill. I don't think it adds, adds anything to the race. It's not... It's not a critical point in the race. Um, Plus the turn at the top will add to it, you know, not having the straight run in. Yeah, look, and you just, you, you know, we, I think the only thing we did it for one or two years, but we just turned turn left in the bottom. It's pretty flat at the start and it starts to drag uphill and gets quite hard at the end and it probably make the sector more important again. Um, yeah. And now it's just that, you know, without, you know, it, it's just dangerous and it's just a sector you need to get through. It's not really, nobody really goes on the attack there. Nothing really happens. Everybody's pretty defensive on that sector. What do you think of um, your team's performances in terms of Durbo was yeah. up there? What yeah. do you, how do you think he rode today? Yeah, I'm disappointed for Luke, um, you know, mechanical. And we know it's part of Roubaix, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't get any easier. Um, so he was, he did everything right. Uh, one move got in the breakaway uh, 30 guys was positioning well into all the sectors um, I'd booked Belga Queen I'm going to have to ring him up and cancel that booking so <laughs> was, I, I thought we'd won already uh, no he was looking really good and he had a teammate there with Rob um, and I felt like the team you know we came in here a little bit under undermanned and we'd, uh, we'd, we we were in a pretty good situation after, after 100 kilometres what about for you when driving over Roubaix? Do you still get nostalgic about it or it doesn't really affect you now? You've got a job to do. Oh, look, in the recon, probably a bit more. 
uh, bit of time and just to you know it's, it's hard for me not to know every single sector now you know uh, that's that's now 20 years and that's you know and it's hard for me to remember what it's like to be a, a 22 year old and and just forget you know what's coming and and just think that this race is just never ending and it just seems to every time you turn a corner you go into another sector of cobbles and and now i know them pretty in, intimately and yeah in the recon you you know there's a lot of reminiscing about this one and oh that time this guy yeah. crashed there this time oh, i was there and we made a move here oh i remember that year it was crosswinds here um which can be also you know um it's great to have all that knowledge and you're putting together a race plan but sometimes you know you see danger everywhere and and um so yeah more so in 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 the recon than than on race day race day pretty focused on the guys i was at the start line today and rolled out in the wet on the big cobbles there mm. i looked across to my right andrea taffy said hello to me by name hey mitch <laughs> I was like, Andrea, <laughs> well, from that moment there, my day, day was, was successful. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, wow. wow. No comments on that, but no. I just wanted to bring that up. It was just like, no. I'm first name basis with the king. <laughs> wow. Right. No. That's a, that, that makes your day. Probably Christmas is coming once. <laughs> after i'm pretty broken i'm very broken i slept like absolute crap my arm is uh too sore to sleep on the left side where i broke my elbow and i crashed of course on the right which is a good thing at least i didn't crash back again on that arm but the problem is i can't sleep on the right now and uh yeah my head was just spinning last night from a few beers sure but lots of thoughts going on up there um yeah about the day how i could have done things differently how i was happy just to get out of there and that replaying the race in your head the carnage the cobbles and then just understanding that's (laughs) that this is it you know it was a great race to be a part of but my thought still hasn't changed i I didn't love it out there. As epic as it was and as epic as everyone will remember it, it wasn't a nice experience for me. And that's when I know that it really is the right choice to uh, be hanging up the wheels, as they say, I guess. So first day is, uh, well, I guess I'm still contracted till the end of the year, but no more racing in front anyway. Time to travel back home. Looking forward to getting back home, seeing the family. final week is coming to a close and I've been lucky enough to be picked up by my good mate Bert DeBacca and his wife Ruth DeBacca and they're driving me to the airport for the final farewell which is actually starting to dawn on me now but before we get into that Baxi also retired yesterday his last race in Roubaix and he had a bit of a different day to me Bert 
tell me firstly about the day and then secondly about what it feels like to be on the other side first about the day uh, I'm very happy uh, the way I was mentally ready we spoke in uh, just before Eurometropol then I think we were both a bit anxious on what was coming and then a good start was when you said yeah we are uh, we can be honored to be in that bunch which was a first way of going into the positive mindset I think that was my biggest achievement I really had I was ready to go for it I was ready to embrace the bad luck which was coming and in the end I went very quickly into save mode and I just just like a grand fondo uh, I really enjoyed public uh, but in the end I was uh, empty also so it was a, a good finish what was it like riding the famous roads that we've all been talking about for so many years since 2001 2002 finally doing a wet Roubaix I have to be honest up front I only thought about the danger and I couldn't imagine it was even possible to ride on them but in the end it was 50k of cobbles and maybe 20k were in a way tricky and also the bunch was much less crazy than I was expecting so it was possible in the end to do it safe mode not to ride the final but it was possible to get into Roubaix and one week before I was in a, in a mode or in a mood I was thinking it's not even possible to do it so I'm, uh, I think my value as an analyst and co-commentator is going up because I was there well tell me what it was like then actually rolling into the velodrome and you know because I'm sure you imagined it as I did as like closing you know this this chapter off what was it like that moment rolling into the velodrome going okay it's done yeah like you say it's done and um, it was good Ruth was there I could give her a salute with the first passage kids were there and uh, went to the bus grabbed my stuff together took a beer and had a drink in the at the shower part of uh, <coughs> Roger de Vlaming, which was good, yeah. But actually, Carrefour de l'Arbre was more the finishing of the career. It was so crowded, I was on my own uh, in the end. And that's something where I really realized, okay, that's the moment now I can enjoy public, and it's maybe the last time I will do it this way. What was it like waking up this morning then? What was the feeling like? I certainly had a feeling of like, a small feeling of emptiness it is over a big relief for me but there was this emptiness like okay it is it's really over what was it like for you this morning um all was good uh and i told you also this morning already i think i think it makes a big difference uh for me family was there yesterday and and last night uh that's also why i took rubé so my wife and kids could be there uh, I woke up early, like after every classics, and actually I just uh, went down, put my uh, <laughs> cleaned my shoes, took all the mud out, and put the first machine on, and then uh, yeah, just started uh, breakfast, took a coffee, and waited till kids were down. On to the next chapter. Yep.
Alright, we're in the final leg of travelling. This is the last bit of my last race. And I'm rolling in with the boys. The crew. I got Derbs here, Bules, I got Barney in the front. And I'm gonna to talk to Jack about who's backseating it. Backseat bandit, mate. This is the final pass. leg, isn't it? This is the worst part of the leg, the taxi back from the airport, isn't it? I'm going home to the family, <laughs> so no. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's been a good journey with you guys and um, it's nice to ride this last one in with you guys. I would have I could have just sad sacked it in on my own, but this is the reality of being on the road. And you can just sort of chip in with you guys, scab a cab ride home. So, thanks, Jack. Because we're getting back now to Girona. Run us through how you're actually getting home to your place. You're not actually living in Girona. You live uh, about... It's pretty close, like 15k out 15k, yeah. Do you want to let us know how you're so, going to get out there? As I've gotten older and wiser as a professional, I've learned how to pack my life, my life on the road into just a small trolley. So... I just squeeze it onto a little scooter, a little 125 scooter, which I actually bought from Jesse Sargent a couple of years ago, fellow Kiwi professional back in the day, who's since hung up his wheels and, and shifted back to the land of the long white cloud. But I still own his old scooter, so I'll be scootering back. In the, the rain, the as the rain falls down now. Yep. But I stayed upright in a wet Roubaix yesterday, yes. so man, this will be no problem at all. <laughs> Ah, beautiful. Well, thanks, mate, for bringing us in, sharing your thoughts. Let's uh, a pleasure. roll in 28 minutes away. Well, that's it. That's all over. The last race is done, done and dusted, and I am officially a retired man. Lionel, you and me now are the same. Well, you're still contracted till December the 31st, I'm sure. So you're technically still a professional cyclist until New Year's Eve. So I trust you're going to stay off the beers and the nice food until then. Yeah, yeah, you know me, mate. That's that's exactly right. I'll wait until Christmas and all that's over and then get stuck into them in the middle of January or something. <laughs> you sound like you're <laughs> full of cold. I am. I was absolutely knocked out after the race because... I did allude to it a little bit in the pod and you probably heard my voice slightly changing but I picked up a cold after that recon um, on the Thursday and I just try to ignore it and try to fill myself full of vitamins and you know things that could get rid of the cough and whatever just and try to not think about it I was like no it's not happening it's not happening and I did push it away and uh, manage it pretty well until you race Paris-Roubaix in the rain um, and come home and actually just sort of, I think psychologically, my body let go too. Um, Like I said in the podcast, I felt a massive sense of relief, firstly when the Peloton dropped me at the first sector and then secondly when I climbed off the bike after Aremberg. Um, Not disappointment, more relief for me. It was like... It's, it's done. I'm happy. And that was what happened, I think, with the body too. It felt that. Um, and that sickness was coming and, oh, it hit me. It hit me badly. Yesterday was, again, a blessing in disguise maybe. I just needed a day just to chill out in the bed, feeling like rubbish, um, just to sort of come back to normality. 
Well, I must say, Mitch, I really enjoyed listening to you documenting the run-up to your final race. There was the, the sense of jeopardy of would you would you make it to the start line in Compiègne, and then just to be there to to witness it was 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 great i know that on a day like paris bay everyone has their story don't they it's one of those races you can't get through incident free and there was there were several riders retiring and bringing the curtain down on their careers in you know what is one of the great great one day races on the calendar and i must admit i saw a slightly different side to you in compiègne on sunday morning you were visibly nervous about the prospect of you know, racing on those cobbles. And I, it was a real um, reminder, again, that the dangers that all of you were going to face. Um, a crash was, you know, never far away, possibly. And of course, what must have been going through your mind when you crashed so early? Because we got into the car to go and see the race on the one of the early sections of cobbles. And I switched on the coverage and saw an EF rider go down. And I didn't have a brilliant connection, so I couldn't quite see on the screen. But I was like, that looks like Mitch. Oh, please don't let it be Mitch. And I kind of, you know, my all my sort of journalistic objectivity went out of the window. And uh, I was, uh, well, I was gutted for you to get off to such a... Um, such a start on you know such a difficult day but what was going through your mind I was actually yeah I was very nervous I think the build-up to the last race and the the effort it took to get there I think in the end was maybe just a bit too much for me I did feel that and I did think that I'd conquered that fear in Euro Metropole um, you know going through the process and getting to the end of the race and having that chance just to race and let it go but all of a sudden I was back in that same position on a wet road traveling at 60k an hour and you hear those brakes go and I think that was really just the transition for me and definitely in the last 12 months is that I never thought about the danger or I never thought I was taking risks or I never really even considered that and obviously all that stuff was there but suddenly when you become aware of that and when it becomes um, important to you it's very difficult to get your head out of that. I'm not trying to sound like a softie here, but it's just the reality of it. Um, and I was really just trying to switch it off there, but I could just see when I look back at that crash, what happened there was I must have been holding those bars so tight. Um, and when there was a, a B&B Hotels guy went down just in front of me, the whole bunch, um, if anyone out there hasn't ridden in a, in a big bunch, what happens is someone just puts the brakes on at the front and then the ripple effect back through the bunch is ultimate. And it's just, it's suddenly the guys at the back are just locking up. So I was close to the back, locking up. The guy in front of me went down. I probably could have got around him, but I think I was just so tense that I just did the same thing. I ripped the brakes on and flipped straight down on the ground too. Um, so that just showed me then and there that... I was tense, I was stressed, and I was I was nervous. Um, and, you know, when you know, you know. I was speaking to TJ Van Garderen about this, actually, after the race, and he said, welcome to the other side, mate. And he said, when you know, you know. And it's, it's such a funny little saying, but it was very true for me. Um, I really knew. It was like, yeah, you know what? This is just not my place anymore. You need to be out here fearless. You don't need to be stupid but you need to be fearless and you need to be able to go into those corners and you know 
make calculated risks and not think about risks, but just think about what you need to do and sort of move through the peloton sort of flowing through opposed to sort of fighting the grain. And that's what I felt like I was doing probably the last few races of my career. I knew what to do. I knew where I need to be, but I was like I was pushing against the grain to get there. Um, and that's a very hard way to do it. I can tell you physically it's very hard and uh, mentally you're sort of fighting yourself the whole day. So you can probably sort of see where I was at by the time I climbed off an Arenberg. I was just like, beautiful. You know, it was a great experience, but it was it was just time. So I, I, um, I hope I gave you guys a little bit of an insight to that. And it sounds like, Lionel, that's sort of what you were thinking too. Definitely. I mean, you've got a young family and, and when your children are old enough to kind of really understand what daddy did for a living, this episode will be a fantastic audio document of your final week as a professional rider. And I think, you know, just hearing the episode unfold, you, you've held all of those thoughts of your own personal safety at bay, at arm's length for so long in your career. And, and I guess it's inevitable as it comes to a close you start thinking about the next phase of your life. And I, I really thought it was so fitting that you got to Arenberg where I saw your your fans from Belgium, the Mitch Docker fan club. A couple of the guys had moustaches uh, in, in honour. I think there might have been a mullet there or two. And they certainly had a few beers and they looked like a great uh, group. And so obviously I was in the velodrome kind of wondering where you were and, and obviously knowing once they kind of it all wrapped up because it becomes very quiet very quickly the velodrome in Roubaix once the 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 race has ended and and the last riders have come in you know the crowd trickles away and um, I did wonder where you were and I was a a little bit sort of nervous to ask I didn't want to kind of uh, I don't know um, perhaps if it hadn't gone how you wanted I was a little bit nervous about sort of perhaps um you know, putting my foot in it a bit too early. So it was a real joy to hear in the episode that you got to Arenberg, you got to hook up with the, the guys that have supported you um, in Belgium for many years. And what a fitting end. What a fitting end, Mitch. It was. It really was. And it's it's been fantastic even just the last few days to debrief it all. And I sort of preempted whatever would happen. Exactly what you said about Roubaix. There's always a story. I knew there'd be a story. And... You know how much I love cycling caps and I went out and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a tribute to my last Sunday in hell and we've made a last Sunday in hell casket, um, which we're going to release this Friday. So anyone out there who's interested in getting a bit of a tribute to my last Sunday in hell or just wants a cool Roubaix cap, get over to lifeinthepeloton.com, the Etsy store. We've got a few hundred of those over there. So there's not heaps, but there's enough for everyone if you're interested to get one of those. I just thought it'd be a great little tribute for myself, really. I thought, you know what, it's going to be my last Sunday in hell. And actually for a while there, I thought, wow, I've got all these hats, mate. I'm not going to get there. But I did get there in the end and it was hell. It was my last one. So we have made a little tribute. So make sure you go check out that. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. The next episode we've got will be the last episode of the season. And once again, I think it is a really cracker episode. I did allude to it the last time that I've been putting together a retirement episode, speaking to some professionals who have stepped off the bike over different periods of time. Some guys who stepped off the bike 15 years ago, some who just jumped off the bike six months ago. So it's just really different perspectives over their idea from 
being on the other side of the fence. So that's helped me along this year. I've put that together for next week. So guys, well, sorry, for two weeks' time, there's a Talking Luft next week as always. Thanks very much for tuning in, and until next time, cheers. You have been listening to Life in the Peloton. The producer of this episode was Will Jones. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Thanks, mate.